The following program discusses medical information that is general in nature and not intended to serve as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be experiencing. Welcome to Nice Living with Dr. Cameron, a podcast series aimed at equipping you with knowledge to help you lead a vibrant life. Dr. Cameron Godarzy is considered one of North Carolina's most trusted physicians. He's a true pioneer in the field of philobology and vascular surgery, and he was part of the first group of physicians to receive board certification by the American College of Venous and Lymphatic Disease. He was the first physician in the United States to incorporate angiodynamic, never-touch direct laser ablation treatment for vein disease in his practice. And since 2002, Dr. Cameron has performed thousands of vein treatment procedures, resulting in excellent patient outcomes with low recurrence rates. And I'm Amy Bowen, your co-host. As a former radio host and news director of multiple mid-Atlantic market radio stations, I'm passionate about helping foster a better understanding of complex issues and helping folks connect the dots. In navigating health challenges in my own life, I've developed a special interest in medicine and health and wellness issues. So with this podcast, Dr. Cameron and I will dive into some of today's medical, health, and wellness topics. And from time to time, we'll feature expert guests and leveraging his more than 40 years of medical experience. Dr. Cameron will both ask and answer questions that will provide valuable perspective on meaningful topics and issues related to the world of medicine. To kick off the first show, we're talking about the why behind the Nice Living with Dr. Cameron podcast. What you can expect to hear about in upcoming episodes, we'll dive into Dr. Cameron's background and what makes him uniquely qualified to have these conversations. And we'll also talk about his recent decision to relaunch his independent vein care practice near Wilmington, North Carolina. And now let's hear from the real star of the show, our resident expert and vein guru, Dr. Cameron Godarzy. Welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Now, Dr. Cameron, you and I have known each other for just over five years now through my previous life in radio broadcasting. And when you reached out with the idea to do this podcast, I just fell in love with the concept. So let's talk about that. What is it that made you want to start this podcast? Well, Amy, I have been a doctor for over 40 years. I finished medical school when I was 24, and that was uh, around 1978, and I'm 66 years old. Life takes you through various uh, things that you don't expect. Uh, for example, you know, I left my home uh, in Iran when I was uh, 14, went to England, went to boarding school, finished medical school there, then United States, and so on and so forth. So uh, what is really I felt was very important to me is that we all like to uh, share our experience, uh, our knowledge, uh, as somebody said, you know, giving it back. I think God gave me a, a gift to have parents who could afford to send me to get good education and and to have the will to pursue this career. And at this stage of the game, uh, I feel uh, at the age of 66, you know, I've still got uh, over 40 years of experience uh, in different aspects of medicine in different continents and different parts of the United States. And I felt it would be so sad if I did not try to share this with other patients, with uh, physicians, colleagues, um, people who are even thinking about getting into the into medicine, patients who have known me and patients who don't know us. But I feel that there is certain responsibility every human being has to share the knowledge and the experience that they've had with, with other people. In my case, it happens to be medicine and a different uh, uh, parts of medicine. It's not just surgery. It's not just veins. Now, of course, 
you can't be jack of all trades. So, and you and I had discussed this, you know, talk about diseases of the vein and things that I feel I've got a fair amount of knowledge to share. And then there are other areas such as, you know, all the way from back pain, orthopedics, uh, massage therapy, acupuncture, I mean, you name it. I think, you know, things that topics that people are interested. Uh, and fortunately, I've made some amazing friends and met quite a few people in the world of medicine who are very knowledgeable in their field. So having had this background, uh, the exposure that I've had to a wide variety of uh, surgical and medical conditions would give me an opportunity to also interview some of these doctors, which I believe are experts in their field. So if there's a f section that I'm not the expert, I could find the experts in the field to answer some of these questions that commonly patients have, either they've asked me and I couldn't answer and I send them to a specialist or the questions that people have to ask when, when they go to see their specialist. It's very hard to go to a doctor and not know what is the next step. You know, how do you navigate your way through this very complicated and complex world of medicine? Uh, Google just lets you touch the surface and uh, sometimes it confuses you more than it helps you. So I think you know, with that in mind, I felt this would be a great contribution to the world of medicine and to the community to be able to share your knowledge and, of course, you know, educate your patients. Now, having said that, this is not all about uh, you and I. Obviously, this is what questions that patients have. You know, we would like them to write to us and ask us, you know, what topics they want to have discussed so I can go out there and try to find the the experts on the topics to answer some of those questions for them. Now, you know, from a patient perspective, there are so many things that can just seem overwhelmingly complicated from even just understanding the medical conditions themselves, their implications, and the insurance and political aspects. But in getting to know you and having had the opportunity to actually at one time speak directly with some of your patients, I've come to realize that you have just this incredible ability to break things down in such a relatable way. And I know the listeners will appreciate that as we navigate these different topics. Medicine doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be big words. The body is very similar to a lot of things we see in nature. And uh, we just have to find something which is very similar to it. And I think one thing that I've heard from other people is I've had the ability to explain medical terms in a way that people can understand, maybe because English wasn't my first language. Uh, if you don't speak a foreign language and they start speaking very complex English or German or whatever it is, it, it makes it very hard to understand. I think medicine is the same way. If people ask you a medical question, you've got to explain it in a way that they would understand it. And hopefully, as we're interviewing other doctors going forward, we could, quote unquote, bring them back to earth and <laughs> let them <laughs> let them talk in a language that the average person hopefully will, will understand. So this doesn't has nothing uh, really to do with the, with the knowledge of medicine or your socioeconomical level. I mean, I've had uh, lawyers who it's very hard for them to understand some you know basic medical things. We know what that's explained to them. We've had artists, we've had professors of architecture, and uh, they don't fully understand what the hemodynamic situation of the body is. How does the blood flow until I try to compare it to a, to a building and the plumbing? And they'll immediately understand what you're talking about. So I think, you know, we try to make it as, as easy and hopefully as enjoyable for listeners. Okay, so a word I keep mentioning is perspective. And in sharing knowledge or consuming information, 
That's a very important consideration for folks to keep in mind, especially when it pertains to something as important as their health. So as I mentioned earlier, you bring to the table this cumulative knowledge and experience that spans four decades, even multiple continents. You've witnessed the evolution of the industry. So let's dig a little deeper into your background, which certainly stems far outside the world of Baines. Uh, let's talk about your training and experience and what you feel makes you qualified to have these conversations. Uh, it's quite a few things. Uh, having gone to boarding school in England and I had 18 more months to get my boards in surgery when a revolution happened in Iran, had to come to the United States and start my residency all over again. So that was another five years, so seven years after medical school of basically um, postgraduate training. Took me through quite a few areas which were wonderful. I mean, I feel very lucky to have had these opportunities, for example, to spend six months in nephrology and diabetes treatment to work one of the top uh, centers in the world for the disease of liver. Uh, uh, professor Sheila Sherlock, who was my professor, actually defined the modern definition of cirrhosis. Then when I came to the United States, I uh, was in Houston, Texas. During my residency, I got an opportunity to go through MD Anderson, which is one of the top cancer centers in the world. And of course, the kidney transplant and Texas Heart was there. And we were one of the first groups to use uh, the Cyclosporin A, which is one of the most modern uh, treatments to uh, suppress immunity. So so the transplants would work and, and so on and so forth. So uh, uh, then between Texas and New York, et cetera, uh, so it's not just surgery, surgery, medicine, uh, rural surgery, as well as, you know, practicing surgery in specialized centers like MD Anderson. So I feel I've gained a fair amount of experience, which is not a narrow area of just veins or surgery, but, you know, I like to talk about pretty much every aspect of medicine that I've been exposed to. And I think uh, that as you were mentioning, the political aspect of it. For example, we got socialized medicine in England, and here uh, it's obviously not socialized. Now, uh, socialized medicine has got its own issues, but I, it does bother me. A lot of, a lot of people, physicians in America don't fully understand what socialized medicine is. And although it does have a lot of issues, it also has a few advantages. And, uh, and it also affects the way you practice medicine. So... Having practiced for two years after I finished medical school there, uh, doing my residency, it, it, it gave me exposure truly uh, to how uh, prescriptions are written, surgery is scheduled, how medicine is practiced in England versus in America. And America itself is a massive country. The way things are practiced in the South might not be the same way as they are practiced in the, in the North. And then, of course, we've got all these uh, you know, different insurance companies who have now uh, decided to somehow tell us how we should practice medicine. And that sometimes gets confusing to the patients. Is it, is it the way you are taught in medical school to practice medicine, or is it the way the insurance companies want you to practice medicine, which uh, I had that discussion with one of the insurance companies and said, uh, Doc, uh, we're not saying that's the correct way of doing it. We're saying that's all we can afford to pay for. And so there is a really multifaceted and it can get quite complex. But uh, as we go forward, you and I are going to be able to show all these different facets and what they mean. Ultimately, as I told one of my patients today, it all comes down to the art of medicine and it is more art than science and, and like any other art is just depends on the artist and and how that person practices that art it's going to be 
in a way, you know, the way I feel things should be done, but it, I really suggest it to so every patient. Just remember, not two doctors do things the same way. I sometimes compare it to cooking. We all know you need a little salt, you need a little pepper, maybe some garlic, but how much and how long do you brew it for? <laughs> and how do you like it to taste? You know, it, it is an art. Uh, and, and this art and the feedback you get from it pretty much shape you as a doctor. What kind of doctor are you going to be? And hopefully it's going to be one that uh, patients enjoy uh, spending time with and going to. Everyone loves a good origin story. As you've noted, you're from Iran and you were finishing up medical school right around the time of the revolution. And that's a story all in and of itself. But what inspired you to go into medicine in the first place? Well, um... I would say my father, <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, I was the youngest of seven and uh, I was very lucky because we, also, we had a very big family. We had a bunch of cousins and everybody stayed with us. And my uh, parents were very interested in medicine. My father always wanted to be a doctor and he wanted all of us to be physicians and have our own hospital. And so I have uh, another brother who's a surgeon. I have two sisters who are uh, nurses, actually they're midwives. Uh, so uh, what happened, I think, in my household is it made me very focused in uh, trying to do the best I could in uh, school. And so when I was seven, we would live uh, by the Caspian Seas in the north. My parents felt that to get the best education, I had to go to Terra on where the best schools are. And then I was 14. Uh, England was at the time considered to be the best place to get educated in the art of medicine. So uh, I went to England to boarding school and then medical school. By as long as I remember, this was what was supposed to be. I was supposed to be a doctor because that's what my father wanted me to do. And then over time, I realized, you know, what what the gift this is because uh, ultimately, every day you come home and if you know you look at your day and you feel that what you've achieved is is helping people and helping them to do well in life, and and uh, so it, it is it's really wonderful, wonderful field to be in. But would I have picked up medicine for myself? Probably not. I would have gone into civil engineering. You know, I loved maths and, you know, but uh, my father made it very obvious when he sent me to England that uh, if I was uh, going to get my check so that I could pay for my apartment and get some food and stay in boarding school, if I studied anything but medicine, the, the money would stop. So, so, so he, that was a very psychological influence that my father had. <laughs> well, I imagine there is some overlap in medicine and those finite applications that you find in mathematics and engineering. That's very true. I, a lot of people say, you know, medicine is really a combination of art and science. And uh, although I was, I always felt I was, uh, you know, a scientist. I mean, I have a brother who's, you know, great artist. I have a son who's you know, amazing artist, uh, but. So I think, I, I entirely agree, I think there is a lot of art and science, especially in surgery. There's a lot of art and science uh, which, you know, combine together. Well, you know, Dr. Cameron, I'm sure there are countless individuals out there who are certainly glad that you chose this profession. And it, and it sounds like you're pretty glad you stuck with it as well. Let's get a little personal here. What stands out to you as your favorite aspect of becoming a medical doctor? I think the most rewarding thing is to see patients do well, to feel you have achieved something that could have possibly been missed. It's funny, actually, yesterday I was having a meeting with, with a gentleman I've just been introduced to, and I was telling him how a patient uh, who came to see me because he had some vein issues on his legs and he had gone through the insurance company. It's very regulated vein disease. You know, insurance companies pretty much dictate who you can treat and who you cannot treat. So he had gone through three months of wearing his stockings and et cetera. So he was all ready to have his surgery scheduled. 
And so at the last meeting, they, you know, I got the chance to spend more time with him and do a more thorough exam because they, my PAs and so on had seen him first. And uh, I noticed that he had these whooshing sounds in his neck. We call it carotid stenosis. There's some narrowing of his carotids. So I said, look, you really need to look at this before we do your veins. When we looked, we found that he had about, you know, very high grade blockage of his artery to his head, which was, it really was walking time bomb, just getting ready to have a stroke. So we said, look, let's, let's not touch the veins. Let's just fix this artery. I know that's why you came to see me. And uh, so he's extremely thankful. He uh, just came back roughly about two weeks ago with his wife, all the way from Raleigh, just to tell me that they were so thankful that I, you know, saved his life. Now, that is the tremendous enjoyment you get out of that. It literally makes you high. I mean, you go you go to bed at night and think, thank God, you know, I did that. And I'm just, you know, this patient that sees so many doctors and, and nobody noticed that. And um, and if, if I hadn't paid more attention to spending time with him, examining him properly, you know, I might have missed him. And then, so that, that's, you know, what's so, so wonderful about, about what we do. Those things are so intense. They're so important in your life that you were able to make that kind of difference that you remember it for the rest of your life and uh, i think at this stage of you know my life uh, you know looking back at the memories and some of them it just like happened yesterday little things that you did which made a big difference in letting you know father spend more a few more years with their child or somebody who's got cancer at least have a few more extra years so that's what's so wonderful about medicine and i really feel very very lucky to be in a field that you can i can have that kind of satisfaction because there is, uh, as somebody said, for everything else, there is visa. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, the enjoyment you get out of that, it, it doesn't matter what, you know, uh, what the physicians say, and we all complain how hard we have to work and exhausted we are, but that enjoyment, there's nothing like it. And that's all I've, I've got to say. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you're known across the country for your pioneering efforts in the world of vein disease and state-of-the-art treatments. And forgive the pun, but what is it that made you essentially want to laser focus on this specialty and really become known as the guy to go to if you want nice legs? Considering that about 40% of the population, anywhere from 30 to 40%, have venous disease, you can imagine there's just not enough doctors in the country to treat all these. So, of course, being one of the first ones here, we ended up getting very busy, and it got to a point where the majority of my work is just to take care of the patient's needs when it, came, when it comes to your venous disease, and has left me relatively little time to do you know other type of surgery, uh, although I'm trying to still do as much of my other field, which is you know, after 40 years of having so much uh, practice in the art of surgery, you hate to just do one thing, which is just veins and nothing else. So I'm doing the other types of surgery as well. But venous disease is, uh, I could probably at this stage, it's gotten to a point where if I did nothing but just take care of the veins, I, I uh, would still be very busy probably seven days a week. After 17 years of doing thousands and thousands of lasers, you get better at it. You can improve your own technique. You can do a better job. And I think another thing in in world of uh, medicine or perhaps in any other field is new technology comes out. So just because it's new, is it good? Uh, is it as good as what it was? You know, what is the recurrence rate? You know, what is the complication rate? And this technology seems to be a pretty solid method at this point. Uh, you know, 17 years later, doing laser treatment, these patients are still doing extremely well. Somebody uh, a long time ago was uh, saying that uh, Dr. Cameron, I was looking at a few patients that I'd done, he said, uh, looking at the legs and nice legs, Dr. Cameron, and that became a joke that uh, uh, that it wasn't my legs. He was ta- they were talking about, uh, look, at, look at these legs that you created. 
you know how how nice they look and so that that's when it became a joke and i was like nice legs like the camera but that's basically what it is and um, although i'm i'm getting the credit for it is really the technology Fast forward a few years later, after starting your practice, you went on to have immense success, just huge success. You merged with a company and helped establish some vein centers across the United States. You even helped them establish basically a better standard of care, elevate the treatment methods that exist out there uh, for spider veins and varicose veins. Uh, but you found somewhere along the way that maybe bigger isn't always better. So uh, walk us through that and why you recently reopened Scarless Vein Care by Dr. Cameron, which... Of course, for our listeners, it's a private practice dedicated to treating patients suffering from vascular issues like varicose veins and spider veins. You know, the, a minister from a church was one of my patients, and uh, we all came to the conclusion that the most important thing in life is balance. If we could find a balance between too much work and too little work and how much love we give to our uh, kids and how much we don't, and um, how, how much money is too much and how much uh, little is too little and, and how much rest is enough. So I think medicine is, is kind of very similar. And I've been in practice, as I said, you know, I think 1985, we, I opened my practice in the United States. So, uh, you know, practicing surgery. I was always in, in practice essentially by myself. And uh, that gave me an ability to, uh, some patients just need more time. You, you know, this is, as I told somebody, we're not, we're not selling hamburgers, you know. I mean, uh, that when patients need you, they need you. When somebody's got cancer and, you know, they feel they need to talk to you, you need to talk with them. You can't look at your watch. You, you just got to spend time with them. So success we were having in treating venous disease and the results we were getting, it, it was amazing. I was very thrilled with it. And that it was very obvious. And there are lots of papers published to this date that venous disease is one of the most underdiagnosed or undiagnosed conditions in the world. I felt, gosh, I've experienced that. I've noticed that there's not many people out there who know, you know, how important this condition is. So it got to a point where uh, we were doing a lot of commercials, but they were informal. So instead of telling uh, physicians, which I always try to talk to the other physicians and tell them what this was all about, is try to also tell patients that, listen, some of these conditions you have are treatable. If your leg aches at the end of the day, it's not because you're getting old or you have arthritis or, you know, it could be venous disease or you've got swelling. That's what it could be. And of course, the potential risk of getting clots and so on, that obviously is very important. So I was approached by a physician friend of mine who is a dermatologist. He was joining this uh, national organization and he wanted to put dermatology centers through the whole United States. And they wanted me to be national director of veins and and, uh, you know, help them put vein centers with these dermatology centers. Of course, that was my opportunity to uh, teach the rest of the country and maybe the rest of the world uh, as, uh, for anybody who didn't know how to treat veins to uh, realize how important it is to, you know, treat veins and how to do it properly. And I always told uh, my colleagues, if you're going to do venous disease, don't dab into it. You've got, you've got to do it properly. It, it, is a, it is a specialty. So, so it really would open the door. What, what exactly what I wanted to do is go and teach and put vein centers so every, everybody in America would be able to benefit from it. Uh, we trained quite a few physicians in uh, the art of treating venous disease. Some of them are working with quite big centers now. Some of them are working independently. We also put some vein centers throughout the United States in different areas. 
the uh, corporation which was doing this, uh, they sold the vein practice to another company. And uh, this company was even bigger. So uh, it didn't take very long to realize that uh, what had started as, you know, trying to teach and train uh, a lot of physicians in, in an art that I felt was having very good results and uh, should be practiced a certain way uh, was no longer it was going to be feasible or possible uh, because the corporations, you know, are, are so big and this, uh, you know, center was, was very large. So, and I, I was missing, I was missing that personal contact, you know, the one-on-one -on -one basis where every patient that came to my office, I felt that, you know, their first name, their last name, their lab results, I, I knew them well. And this, by the way, extremely important in medicine to know your patients, because if you're missing some uh, data, something about your patient you don't know, and you start operating on them, they could potentially have, you know, significant consequences. And the love of medicine, maybe because I left home when I was 14, and I spent my whole life in medicine, maybe that was the reason that all the love that I had to give, and and get back was from my patients. And honestly, I sometimes wonder psychologically maybe that affected me to a large extent because I needed my patients as much as my patients needed me. And it is like being married for a long time when you don't talk and you don't communicate and you don't, you can't stop and say, I love you. Then it's not a marriage anymore. It's just a union. And uh, I felt I was losing that love and affection and the sensation of my patients with my family was beginning to disappear and I, I, I wasn't happy and I really was not happy and one day my wife turned around and said, she said honey you're just not happy with this are you I said no I really I'm not complaining about you know this company or any other company I think I'm I, I want to get this smaller so I, if you're too big then you've also lost that touch so I felt maybe somewhere in the middle <laughs> you know <laughs> and something that and this is uh, where I am so uh, I come back to Scarlet's Care, which is initially what we started roughly around 2002. We tried to find a location which would be very easy for patients to get to. And that's why we're in Waterford uh, Medical Center in uh, Leland. A lot of my patients are really happy there. Right now seems to be most central for pretty much everybody comes and sees me. I've had patients coming from on the other side of Charlotte to Richmond to uh, even, I think the longest was Argentina, where they came and stayed here for six months for me to finish all the treatment. So we've had from quite a few South American countries, we've had, you know, patients come here. So, you know, overall, I think what I have now and all the experiences that I learned from the past and the team who is working with me now, which have been working with me for a long time, I feel, you know, very happy where I am. And I think I can provide the kind of care that I felt was what my patients deserved. And uh, because of that, you know, I've, I've separated. I mean, people are sometimes wondering, well, is it, was it corporate America, et cetera, et cetera? Was it because the company was so big or was it the way? Uh, I think ultimately, you know, you're happy or unhappy in a relationship for, uh, you know, a number of reasons. It, it, is, it wasn't me. I know it's got to take a whole team approach to really fulfill that vision and level of care that you want to provide for your patients. The staff were with me. We are part of a family. We are part of the village. I happen to be the surgeon in that village, but it takes literally a village to take care of uh, a vein issue. Your insurance clerk, you know, has got to keep up in what they're doing and understand what they're doing and help the patient to make sure that the insurance covers their treatment. Otherwise, they'll... Uh, might have to pay out of their own pocket. And maybe they didn't need to pay out of their own pocket if, if it was filed properly. 
uh, then your ultrasound technologist, you know, has got to have the ability to make a diagnosis. They are the ones who show you, you know, where where the problem is and how significant it is. If they're your eyes and your ears, in a, in a way. So, uh, and all the way to the receptionist, you know, and everybody else. I mean, the team that I have with me uh, think they're very happy. I feel that they are happy, uh, and I see the energy and I see the smile in their face. And when your staff, especially in medicine, when they, when they're happy, patients feel it, and the patients feel that positivity and uh, you know. When patients come to your office, they're already scared, they're depressed, this is not where they want to be. And the last thing they want to see is, is somebody with a sad face or angry face walking in, acting as though you're a pain in the neck. That's not what they want to see, you know. And if they have a question, sometimes they ask you a lot of questions because they're scared and they're nervous. And your job is stand there, you know, and answer all their questions and calm them down, help them to, you know, go through it, you know. So uh, a good staff, uh, a loving staff uh, is, is extremely important in the practice. And I feel I, I, I have it now. I really do. I, I'm sorry that some of my staffs uh, are still, you know, who are pretty much handpicked or not with me. I wish I could have all of them. But the ones that I was able to bring with me and helping me out right now, uh, they, are, they are absolutely amazing. I'm not saying anybody else wasn't good, but these guys are absolutely amazing. And I'm really thrilled and thankful to God to have such a such a great team. And I really mean it. I think our patients noticed that too, that, you know, how great their staff is. And I think one of the best gifts that God gave me is, is you, Amy. I mean, you've been wonderful. You've been uh, very understanding about what this disease is. Uh, and now uh, you're helping me to... Uh, you know, not just talk about venous disease, you know, talk about all these other conditions and, uh, you know, help the world a little bit more uh, through knowledge to uh, be able to take care of themselves and to pick up the right doctors to take care of their condition. And I think that's an amazing contribution that we can make to the world of medicine. I'm very thankful to, to you to enable me to do this because without you, I couldn't do it. And I, I think you, you know it. And I certainly, I know it. Well, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation on many upcoming medical and wellness-related topics. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to our first episode of Nice Living with Dr. Cameron. Visit scarlessveincare.com forward slash podcast to view show notes and get a little more insight on some of the topics we discussed in this episode. You can subscribe to the Nice Living with Dr. Cameron podcast on your favorite platform so you can get access to new episodes as soon as they're live. Until next time, I'm Amy Bowen.